Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the sixth chapter of John. This morning I'll be reading verses 22 through 34. John 6, 22 through 34. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had entered, had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Thank you, Gerald. This is the work of God that you may believe on the one that he has sent. If you're here today and have never believed in Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Uh, so thank you, Gerald, for that reading. Thank you, Todd, and music team, for leading us in song. It's always a great joy to sing with my church family. My heart's full this morning. I've had four straight very, very good days, uh, beginning with Thursday night in our, uh, our deacon body. I love meeting with this group of men. Uh, you're, you, you are, we are very, very blessed for the servant-hearted men that God has given us. Uh, to minister to us. What a blessing. And then Friday I got to, got to meet little River Marie Matthews. Man, I love going to those young families' homes and seeing their little babies. Got to meet Piper a couple of weeks ago. What a blessing. And then Saturday morning with our children's workers, raising up the next generation, instruments of God to prepare them for the the world that awaits them and that's there, that's already there. Uh, what a challenge and what a wonderful group of people. And then this morning with our membership class, we're halfway through, finished session three today. Uh, got to talk a little bit about submission. We'll see if they're back next week. Okay. <laughs> Biblical submission, not just submission, 
to elders. It begins with submission to the Lordship of Christ. If you confess Jesus as Lord, you'll be saved. That's where it begins. And then submission to one another. Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So it was a great class, and I love these people. And so may God direct him, direct them in their decision about, about submission to this church body in covenant membership. And then to be a part of a church family that uh, God has blessed with uh, resources uh, to support missionaries on the field. What a joy. What a privilege. What an honor. What a blessing. And it's a great blessing to have the Jabello family with us today, Caleb and Melissa and Elijah and, and Bella. Thank you to the Pearsons, Pete, Erica. Thank you for being such gracious hosts to the family while they're here this weekend. And so now it's a great joy to introduce to you uh, again. They've been here before, but uh, for our new members, people that are just uh, have joined us since uh, Caleb and, and Melissa and their family were last with us, uh, it's a great joy to introduce Caleb Jabello. Caleb, come and speak to us, brother. It's a privilege and a joy to have you here. Well, good morning again. It's been about three and a half years uh, since we were here last. And uh, some of your faces are new, and it's good to see uh, those that we've met in the past. I want to begin by reading a scripture reference from Matthew 24. You could just listen as I read it. Matthew 24, 14. This is one of my favorite missions verses. And Jesus is speaking, and he says this. This gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Central to missions, and I'm going to talk about this this morning as I talk about missions, as I talk about our work in New Guinea, central to that, and I believe that you hold to this as a church, is the proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And many years ago, my grandfather, who was also a missionary, we're the third generation on the field by God's calling, by his providence, by his grace. Uh, many years ago, he said that a missionary is a man sent with a message. And that's exactly what missions is. A church like yours and other like-minded churches sending out men to proclaim the message of the gospel. As Jesus says here, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the entire world as a testimony to all the peoples. And that's what Christ is doing throughout the world, even in our day and age, in 2022. We know that there's a lot going on politically and economically. There's a lot going on with the war. But Christ is building his church. Christ desires to see his gospel go forth, not just in America, but to all the peoples of this world. And so as you can see from the title, I'm going to give a report. I'm also going to talk about what missions is biblically from the New Testament, uh, for some of you, this will be totally new, uh, learning about um, our work in Papua New Guinea and hearing me talk about missions. And for some of you, uh, maybe you were, were here three and a half years ago uh, when we were here last. So I have this title on purpose, Pioneer Gospel Missions. That's what we're all about. Pioneer in the sense that we've gone to a remote area, an isolated area. It's very difficult to get to. I'll talk about that this morning. 
gospel, missions, that's what I just read here from Matthew chapter 24. Missions without the gospel is not missions. Missions is about going forth to these people groups in this world and declaring to them the message of the gospel. Another favorite verse of mine as it relates to the message of the gospel and all scripture does is from Hebrews chapter 9. And it says that Christ has come to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And that mission has been accomplished. Christ has accomplished his work upon the cross and in his resurrection. He didn't do just half the work. He has fully accomplished it. That's why I love the term, and I've I've already heard it this morning, the finished work of Christ. And that's what we declare to the nations. It's about the gospel. It's pioneer gospel missions work. So we live on the Turama River. You'll see some pictures of that this morning in the Gulf province of Papua New Guinea. On the east side of the island is Indonesia. Many of you probably know uh, Trevor Johnson. He's on the, uh, the eastern part of Indonesia. We are on, I'm sorry, he's on the western. We're on the eastern, which is the independent country of Papua New Guinea. Uh, you can hop to the next slide, please. So what is a missionary? Okay, I'm standing up here. Many of you may have not seen me before. Um, and you're thinking, okay, he's a missionary. This is the question we need to ask first. What is a missionary? What is missions, right? We use that term in our day and age. That's the term that's used around the world, a missionary. Well, what is a missionary? Go to the next slide, please. I want to share two verses in answer to this question. And our response should be, let's answer this question from the Bible, right? As I just shared with you, our goal is to bring the gospel to areas where the gospel hasn't gone. That's what we call missions and missionary work. If I were to ask who's the missionary of the New Testament, the most well-known missionary, I'm sure we would all agree and answer Paul. And we could even say the missionary teams of the New Testament. We think of guys like Barnabas and Silas who were with him and others. Notice what Paul says here when it comes to missions. In different translations, it might say his goal, um, his desire, his ambition, his purpose. And as a missionary, he's saying that, Romans chapter 15, to preach the gospel where the gospel hasn't been preached before. He doesn't want to build on someone else's foundation. Paul's desire, his commitment to missions, was to go to areas where the gospel hadn't gone. We read in this very same chapter, in Romans chapter 15, his goal, his desire, his plan was also eventually to get to Spain. See, his purpose as a missionary was, where has the gospel not gone? Where are there no Christians? Where is there no evangelical presence? I want to go there. That's at the heart of missions. So when we think of missions in our day and age, it needs to be the same goal. As I just read from Matthew chapter 24, this gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed throughout the entire world. Jesus desires to conquer this globe, and he does so through the proclamation of the gospel and through saving his people from all the the nations of this world. And this is at the heart of missions. And then another passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Again, Paul, as he's writing to the Corinthians, he was the first one to go there. Okay, if you were the Corinthian church, and I asked you, how did, how did your church start? How did your church get planted? You would say, well, Paul was the first one to come to us with the gospel. That's what he's saying here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Again, this, this pioneer emphasis, this frontier missions purpose, to get the gospel to areas where the gospel hasn't gone. Maybe you've never thought about that before. Maybe you think you know, of planting churches in big cities or going to Europe and you've never considered areas in this world where the gospel's never gone. Areas in China, in the Middle East, 
in Africa still, in South America still, and areas even to the jungles of Papua New Guinea where there have never been Christians, where the gospel has never been proclaimed, where there's no evangelical church. You know, a lot of times we take for granted the great privilege and blessing we have as Christians in America to gather together on the Lord's Day and to have a church like yours. But I want you to consider this morning as I talk about missions, as I give a report of what the Lord's doing in Papua New Guinea where we are, for you to consider maybe for the first time, there's areas where the gospel has never gone. And our responsibility as Christians, as the people of God in our generation, is to continue to push the gospel forward, for the gospel to advance, that Christ would build his church as he promised, and save all of his people from all of the people groups of this world. So it's important for us to ask and answer this question, what is a missionary? What is missions all about? And I share just these two verses with you. There's others that we could go to as well. But as I talk about missions, uh, keep this in the back of your mind. Next slide, please. So here's a map of Papua New Guinea. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's north of Australia. So Australia is not on the map there. It's directly north and directly south of the equator. So it's very hot by us. Uh, we get lots of rain, about 360 inches of rain a year. It's the second largest rainforest in the world after the Amazon. So here's a map of Papua New Guinea. You can see where Mocha is. Okay? That's the area located to the south. And that's the village we live in. Okay, it's the name Mocha. We are in what we call a language group, a people group. And there are about a dozen or so villages that make up this language group. They're the only people in the world who speak this specific language. So we've settled there. I've begun to learn their local language. There's a national language spoken throughout the country. So when we initially went in there, and when I was here three and a half years ago, we had just moved in. That was at the beginning of 2018 that we began our ministry in Mocha. There's a national language that's spoken, so we had the opportunity, the advantage to be communicating day one in the national language. But they have their local language as well. There's about a thousand local languages, distinct language groups in the country of Papua New Guinea. We are in one of them. The Lord led us to this one group. When we went there, our goal, our purpose, as I just talked about missions, was to go here because there were no Christians. There was no evangelical church. There was no one preaching the gospel. And so that was the main criteria why we chose this area and why the Lord brought us to the specific village of Mocha and the villages that are also around. Then I have another area uh, highlighted on the map. That's the village or the town of Ukarumpa, and that's the Wycliffe Mission Compound. So we'll go there about three, four times a year to get supplies, uh, food, uh, medical supplies as well. And so we'll travel back and forth. Okay, I mentioned in the introduction, pioneer gospel missions. It's very remote. It's very isolated. So to get to this region of Mocha where we live, there's no roads into this area. So we have to fly a plane from the mission compound to Mocha. It's about an hour flight. And then we'll take a boat to get to our village. Next slide, please. So here's a zoomed-in picture of our village, Mocha, where we live. You can see the houses lined up along the river. I mentioned, uh, you saw the first slide, it's the Turama River. It flows south into the Gulf of Papua. You just saw the, the picture of New Guinea as well, uh, with the Gulf of Papua there to the south. Uh, you, you see all the houses there? There's about 50 houses, 100 or so adults in the village with another 100 or 200 kids. Uh, so that gives you an idea of how large Mocha is. The other villages, some bigger, some smaller, within all of the villages collectively, there's a few thousand people. And again, keep in mind, these few thousand people, these 10 or so villages, the only people in the world speaking this language. 
It's not a written language. I'll talk more uh, in a few slides about the language, about translation work, and things like that. Uh, so you can see where our house is as well. This was our initial bush house, and I think when we were here uh, three and a half years ago, we had just had that little stick house built, and we had a big project of getting a permanent house built. Uh, and so you'll see some pictures of that as well. Uh, next slide, please. So home evangelism. Okay, what I did in this presentation this morning is broke it up in a few different parts of our ministry. What do we do in Mocha? What do we do to these uh, villages where we minister, where the Lord has brought us? And so we do a few different things, seeking to evangelize, seeking to, as I just read from Matthew chapter 24, preach the gospel to these people. Make disciples, as Jesus says four chapters later in Matthew chapter 28. That's the goal of missions, right? We're not going to just help them with practical things, though we do that. But the main purpose, the main goal, as Paul said himself as a missionary, is to bring the gospel to these people. So one of the ways we do it is home evangelism. Once a week, usually on Wednesdays, that's when we designate it, we'll go into someone's house and we'll share a meal with them. We'll bring some food. They'll prepare some food as well. And we'll get to sit down with them in their house. Here's a picture you could see of one of these couples. And we've been to most of the homes. We'll talk about their family. It's a good opportunity for language learning as well. And then when everything is done, when the meal's finished, then I'll open up God's word and I'll turn in scripture to a certain passage and I'll preach Christ to them. Again, that's the point of missions, right? To bring the word of Christ to these people so that they would hear about Christ, about his work upon the cross, about his resurrection, and that they'd be saved. And that's, that's our desire. And all the things that we do, and I'll talk about them this morning, this is the purpose, to get them the word of God. They've never had God's word in their language. They've never had the gospel preached to them before. And the Lord has led us to these people. So here's one couple, uh, David and Dorica. You see a picture of them in their house. Uh, you could go to the next slide. Uh, here's another picture. Sibona and Melissa. She has the same name as my wife. Uh, their kids there. And then I have a passage here to support what we see in the New Testament, right? We see it in the book of Acts. We see it in the gospels as well. This type of ministry. Jesus did it, the disciples did it, going to people's homes for the purpose of teaching Christ and proclaiming the gospel to them. And this is what we do in a village in Papua New Guinea. This is what you can do as well. I want to encourage you this morning, challenge you this morning, individual Christians, families, a church community, seek to win others to Christ in your own community, in your neighborhood. And this is one of the best ways to do it. Get into their homes, invite them into your homes for the purpose of evangelizing and opening up the Bible. So this is one of the ways uh, that we evangelize. Uh, next, please. Here's two other pictures, uh, two other families. Uh, you can see the, the man here to the left in the blue shirt. He's one of my language helpers, and I'll talk about language learning uh, as well this morning. Next. So that's home evangelism, getting into their homes on a personal basis and seeking to evangelize people who may not come to the meetings. Okay, we have meetings, and I preach publicly, but not everybody comes to the meetings. Right, so how do, you, how do you witness to those who don't come to your church? You can go to their homes, and that's what I just talked about. Another part of our ministry is itinerant gospel preaching. Okay, most of our Bibles, um, in the back, we have the, the missionary travels of Paul, the different areas he went to, and we see the different maps, the trips that he went on. And this is exactly what he did, right? Itinerant gospel preaching going from place to place, village to village, area to area, with the purpose to proclaim the message of the gospel. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said, go and proclaim the gospel to all the nations, to all the peoples of this world. That's what the disciples did in the book of Acts, which we could say is 
the missionary handbook, and that's what we seek to do in our day and age as well. When we think of missions, this is the main activity, for a man to go out and to proclaim to villages, to towns, to cities, the message of the gospel. So we travel throughout the villages within our area. I mentioned 10, 12 villages or so, and having meetings there, evangelizing and preaching the gospel to these people. Again, keep in mind, when we went there 2018 and up to this point, there, there may be one believer, I'll talk about him in a little bit, but there's no Christians there. And so that's why we went, so that Christ would be known among these people. And we traveled to their villages to have meetings. Uh, you could go to the next slide. This is a satellite picture of part of the area we go to, and I highlighted three of the villages we travel to on a monthly basis. We always pick a Monday, and they're used to that schedule now. We'll head from Mocha. You can see where Mocha is pointed to on the map. And we'll go down the river. This is heading south. It takes about an hour to get from Mocha to these three villages, Saragi, Sorabo, and Kamayo. So you probably won't remember the names, but those are the names of those three villages there. And one thing you could pray for when we travel to these villages monthly, that the Lord would open up their heart to first have an interest to hear God's word. You know, you think of Jesus' own ministry, right? He traveled around. He preached in the fields. He preached on a boat. We do similar things. Not everybody has a desire to hear, right? Pray that when we go to these villages, the Holy Spirit would work in them and give them a heart to listen to God's word when we go and have meetings there and I preach. So in the morning, we'll head down. We'll go to Saragi first. That's the first village you see there uh, towards the bottom of the picture on the, the right-hand side there. And then about lunchtime, we'll head over to Sorabo, and then in the afternoon, we'll finish the day at Kamayo. We'll invite people in those villages to come hear God's word, and I'll preach, you know, whatever text I'm going to preach from, and people will come. They'll ask questions as I'm preaching. I'll ask a lot of questions as I'm preaching as well to make sure they understand the things that I'm preaching to them uh, from Scripture. So this is our main activity going to villages, evangelizing, preaching the gospel to them so that they would hear God's word with the goal in the end and in the future to start local churches. Again, that's what we see in the New Testament as well. Uh, you could see there to the left of the picture that little brown box pointing back to Mocha and then also north to the other village that we call Faya. And that's where the airstrip is at and uh, we land the plane there. I mentioned earlier traveling from the mission compound to our area is by plane. And so you'll see a picture of that airstrip as well. But again, I have a passage here from Matthew chapter 9. There's many others we could go to. This is the main activity of the book of Acts. As churches sent out Paul and Barnabas, the first missionary team, and then other, as others went out as well, this was their main activity, itinerant gospel preaching. And that's what we seek to implement as well in our ministry. I tell people we're not in the business to reinvent the wheel or to do missions our way, Right? There's a lot that's going on in the world that does exactly that. Uh, but we seek to honor the Lord, and I believe your church does as well, to implement the methods that we see in Scripture. When it, when it comes to family, how we do family. When it comes to church, we talked about church membership already this morning. And when it comes to evangelizing the world, how do we do it? Well, God has given us a handbook. He's shown us how to evangelize and how to bring the gospel to the nations. Uh, next, please. Uh, you can click one more. Here's a video for you to watch of one of our evangelism trips. Max's house. He's waving right there. We're going to push the dinghy out. And we're going to head across the water to Sorabo. 
Every month we come down and go to the three villages and then up that way is Kamayo. And we have meetings, we preach today, I preach from Luke 18. So that was us on the ground at that first village. I just mentioned you those three villages, and then I pointed across the river to the other two as well. So this is one of those evangelism trips. And so again, this is one of the main things that you can be praying for. Next, please. Operation Newborn. Okay, I'm going to highlight two areas of Melissa's ministry, what she does there in the village, more on the practical side of helping the families and helping the people medically as well. So the first is what we call Operation Newborn. And that's Melissa helping the mothers and uh, give birth to babies, the newborn babies there. In New Guinea, on average, uh, about half of the infants would die before a year old, especially in remote villages where we are. So she's able to help the moms by giving them uh, medicine and helping the babies. Uh, the baby here you see on the left is the first one she was able to deliver. Uh, she's going to be taking a medical class in uh, North Carolina in a month or so. Uh, to further certify her to do this type of work and medical work. Uh, so this is one of the main things that Melissa does. You can uh, go to the next slide, please. Here's some other pictures. Uh, she'll give blankets and hats, as you can see here, and whatever the, the problem might be with the mother or with the baby, uh, sh she's able to help them. Uh, so this is a blessing for her, but it also gives us opportunity to learn about the people and for them, hopefully, to trust us more, to be more open to listen to us, and hopefully come to the meetings and hear, hear the message of the gospel. Uh, next. Not just with the babies and the, the mothers, but also she has a medical clinic. Uh, there's no hospital or clinic in our area. So all of the medical difficulties and problems that the people have, they can come to Melissa. She designates three days a week in the afternoons uh, to do this. Uh, anything from sores and cuts and infections uh, with the babies, and also snake bites, which is probably the main cause of death in our area. So the picture you see here to the left, a woman got bit by a snake. Uh, she's actually been bit twice now, which is not too common, uh, and she's survived both of them. It's very common for someone to die from a snake bite, poisonous snakes, or all throughout the jungle where we are. In most parts of New Guinea, they're not there, but where we are, they're all over the place. And so Melissa is able to help a lot of the people. She's seen people die uh, from the snake bites as well. So again, an, a way to practically help people and we see Jesus doing this for the, for the purpose and the goal to win them to Christ and to get the gospel to them. Hopefully they'll trust us more, listen to us more, come to the meetings. Melissa can evangelize and witness to them as, she, as she's helping them medically. And so we've had many opportunities uh, through the medical clinic of seeking to bring the gospel to these people. Next, please. Uh, here are some other pictures as well. Uh, the top right picture you see there, a kid got a fishing hook uh, stuck in his toe. Um, another one, there's no picture here, but a, a guy was chopping down a tree and he chopped his foot. So there's, there's many things. You could talk to Melissa after the service and there's many uh, things that she's been able to help the people with medically. The nearest hospital, just to give you some kind of context here, an idea, the nearest hospital, if the people have a motor, if they have fuel, which is you know 50-50 chance, then it'll take eight hours to get to the nearest hospital. Okay, that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario is no fuel, no motor, no boat, so they have to pull in their canoe one week. And so Melissa's able to help them practically in this way with the, with the clinic. Uh, next, please. So travel, how do we get around the country? I'll talk about this for a few minutes. You can hop over to the next slide as well. This is the airstrip. Okay, I mentioned um, earlier that village Faya 
and this is the village. This is where we land with a single engine plane. We'll go in and out maybe three, four times a year with supplies, the medical supplies I just talked about as well, from the mission compound to this airstrip. You can see a little squiggly line there. That's a lumber company road. They cut down uh, trees in the area, so they make you know, short roads into the jungle to cut down some trees. That's what that is. We'll take that road from the airstrip that you see in the picture down to the river. Uh, that's about a mile or so. And then all of our cargo boxes, about 40 of them or so, will load into the boat. That's the next picture here. And we'll go about two hours down the river to the village of Mocha where we live. We're trying to get an airstrip built in the village of Mocha where we live to make travel more um, effective and efficient for us. Uh, that's uh, quite a long process. We tried to get a bulldozer in there. Uh, COVID hit. You, we could, you could talk about that later if you want to ask me. This is the only way to get into our area right now, landing at that airstrip and then coming down the river um, with this boat. Uh, next, please. Uh, click one more. You can see a video here of us on a river. This is how we travel on a river. So this is how we travel around from Mocha to the other villages on a boat like this, down rivers like this. There was a net in the river, that's why they were saying problem. So this is how we travel in New Guinea, flying on the airplane to the airstrip. We rent a car times from the mission compound heading the opposite direction to one of the largest cities in the country to get more supplies. We can get good medical supplies there and such. And then also on the river like this. So this is, this is travel in New Guinea. This is how we get around the country. Much different than how we traveled this morning to church, right? Most of us, I'm assuming, hopped in a car and drove over here. Travel in New Guinea is much different. And as I talked in the introduction about pioneer work, frontier missions, it's very remote, very isolated. And that's probably the main reason why it's remained unevangelized now for 2,000 years. You know, think of when Jesus first said these things in the New Testament 2,000 years ago. He told his disciples, he tells us today, to evangelize the world. And it's taken a long time to get to places like this. But that shouldn't hinder us, that shouldn't cause us to give excuses not to do it, right? We should continue to press the gospel forward. You know, one of the great promises that Jesus himself has given us in the scriptures, he says, I will build my church. And the very gates of hell won't be able to stand against that, right? In other words, Jesus said it in a positive way. He said it as his kingdom is on the advance. His kingdom is on the attack. And Satan is trying to defend and stop that. But it's not going to happen. Christ's kingdom will succeed. You know, I tell people as well when it comes to missions, evangelism, evangelism world missions, advancing the gospel to the world is the greatest cause in this world. There's a lot of causes. There's a lot of things we can get behind in this world, right? Whether it's politics or the economy or everything else. There's only one cause, though, that will succeed. And that's the work of the gospel of Christ. And it might look small. It might look insignificant. That's what we see even in the book of Acts, right? But the greatest force is behind it, and that's the force of the gospel. That through the gospel being preached and people understanding it, and people believing it and turning away from their sin, they can actually be saved from their sin and from an eternity in hell. What other message has power to do that? 
except the gospel of Christ. So that's why we're there. That's why we go to places like this. That's why I want to encourage you and challenge you to continue to be part of this type of work, sending out new missionaries to do this type of work, because the work won't be complete until, as I read here in the introduction from Matthew 24, the gospel goes to all the world and all the peoples of this world. Uh, next, please. So this is how we travel around. All right, language learning and translation. There's no English spoken uh, where we are. So there's the national language, I, I talked about that, and then there's the local language that these villages where we live speak. I'm learning their local language and I'm beginning to do some translation as well as I have language helpers. I mentioned one of the guys who helps me with language learning. So I'll sit down throughout the week with language helpers, translate uh, short passages that I'll be preaching from. Uh, you could click this, this is a short video of one of those passages that I translated. All right, so you probably call right there at the end, John 1, 11 to 13. I spoke that in the national language. And what I was reading was the, those verses in their local language. Okay, their language has never been written, so one of my responsibilities as a pioneer missionary is to not only learn their language, but to also put it down in writing. So that's one of the things that I'm working on. The passage I read, very familiar, uh, John 1, 11 to 13, I'll read it here for you. It says, he came to his own, referring to Christ, but his own people did not receive him. What a tragedy, right? One of the things that I, that I told the people in Mocha where we live, I said, don't respond to Christ this way. Christ has come to you through the word. Christ has come to these people through me bringing the gospel to them. And I tell them, now that you've heard of Christ, now that you hear the gospel, don't respond like the Jews did 2,000 years ago when Jesus came. He came, and they didn't receive him. That's one of the worst things. That is the worst thing that any human being could ever do, is not receive Christ. Then it says in verse 12, but to all who did receive him. In other words, Christ has his people, right? He's died for them upon the cross. He's purchased them with his own blood. He will bring them, as he says in the book of John. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the privilege and the right to become children of God. Isn't that the greatest blessing any human could have? You know, we talk about privilege. We talk about right. The greatest privilege is to belong to the kingdom of God, to be part of the family of God, to be actually adopted into God's family. Whether it's us here in America, whether it's people all the way in the jungles of Papua New Guinea, we can all be brought into the family of God, to those who receive Christ and believe in his name, as it says here in verse 12. And then verse 13, well, how does this happen? And this is what I preached. Who were born, okay, were brought into God's family by being born. Well, how were we born? It says here, not by blood, not by the will of the flesh, not by the will of man. So how, we're born into God's kingdom, and th these are some of the things that I tell the people in Mocha where we live. We're born into God's family, just like we're born into this world. But we're born a different way. We're all on this planet because our mom and dad brought us into this planet, planet by being born, physically. Well, how do you get to another planet? How do you get to the kingdom of heaven? How do you get into God's family? You have to be born a different way. And it says here right at the end, they were born 
of God. And so I preach a lot on the necessity of the new birth, the need for sinners like you and I, or all the way in the jungles of Papua New Guinea, to be born again. That's the only door into the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus talked to Nicodemus about in uh, John chapter 3. I've preached that a lot as well. So this is one example. Uh, There's many others, but this hopefully gives you a flavor and an idea of the things that I'm preaching, the translation that goes into it as well. So this is a key area to pray for as well, that the Lord would enable me to learn their language, to hear it well, to speak it well, to translate it well, and to tell them the gospel in their own language. Next, please. Uh, Here's a screenshot. You probably can't see it too well, though, but the part on the left, some stories I've gotten in their language that, that helps me understand their language, the grammar. The part on the right is the dictionary. So I'm working on a dictionary as well. That's obviously part of language learning. And then I included here for you the passage from Acts chapter 2. You know, all of this is built upon, upon God's word, right? All that we do in missions, all that we do in our life should be, we should be able to say, well, we get this from the scripture. And it reminded me of Acts chapter 2. Jesus, after he ascended, after he gives the great commission to his disciples, he says, wait in Jerusalem for the promise, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. Peter stands up and he preaches. And all these foreigners are there, right, in Jerusalem. And what does it say here in Acts chapter 2? They hear the word of God in their own language. And that's key to missions. I'm not speaking English to the people over there. They don't know English. It has to be communicated in their language so that they can understand. And this is a big part of what we do in New Guinea. So please uh, pray for this as well. Next. So workers evangelism meeting, you could click this. Here's a short video. This is my dad preaching. They came to visit us. So he's preaching in the national language. So throughout the week, as you can see from the title, workers, evangelism meeting, throughout the week, we'll have people come up to our yard and our property to help us with certain things. Uh, For me, specifically language helpers. Every day of the week, I'll work with language helpers. But before we start work, we have what we call a workers meeting, and it's another opportunity to preach God's word to them. As you can see from the video, you know, there might be five people there, there might be 20 people there. Uh, not all of them are workers. Sometimes they just randomly come up because you know, they know the meeting's happening or it's raining, they wanna sit under the house. Uh, but this is a great opportunity as well, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, to bring God's word into the community and to preach God's word to them. Uh, so you could pray for this as well. Uh, this is one of the ways that we seek to evangelize. Next. And then Lord's Day preaching. Here's a, another video of me preaching. You could click that.
So this is a you know, short video clip of one of our Lord's Day meetings. Keep in mind, this is not a church, right? There's no believers there, uh, except for possibly one man. I'll talk about him in just a minute. So it's, it's evangelistic. This is another village right down the river, the closest village to Mocha, where we live. And we'll alternate Sunday mornings in Mocha, having a Lord's Day meeting, and then going down to this village, which is called Dufa. It's about five, ten minutes uh, down the river. So every other Sunday, we'll move back and forth between these two villages, having a meeting. The passage I was preaching here, I want to share with you. Uh, John chapter 10, and Jesus says, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will take them out of my Father's hand. So this is another example of a passage I preached. I translated it. I also get questions and answers in their language to ask them. You might have called right at the end there. I said something, and then another guy responded. I asked a question. I forget which, which question it was. And questions are one of the best ways to gauge, are they, are they listening? Are they understanding? So if they answer the question correctly, then it's clear that they're understanding the things that I've read or the things that I may have been preaching. Uh, so this is just another example of our evangelism, and specifically on the Lord's Day. You can hop to the next slide, please. A uh, picture of that village as well, uh, there to the left. You know, it's, we're not sitting in a building like this. There's no church building. So wherever we can meet, and we see this in the Gospels as well, right? Jesus went to the fields. He went into the boat at times to preach. And we'll do whatever we can to have meetings and to preach to these people. Uh, here we're just meeting next to some houses. You can see it's pretty muddy. Uh, we've been under people's houses. Uh, we've been, you know, all different kinds of places throughout the village. The guy on the right here, I want to talk about him. He's the guy we believe the Lord may have saved. And I say may have saved, you know, ultimately I'm not 100% sure, uh, but he, there are positive things. He's been the most faithful to come to the meetings as we've evangelized, as, we, as I've preached. He's been the most faithful. He's been the most interested. And one very positive thing is that he says he believes. Right, I, I just read to you from uh, John chapter 1. Whoever believes in his name, right? And so this man, his name is Kobe, says he believes. So that's, that's been very encouraging to us. And he's told people in the village that he believes. Uh, so this is, this is encouraging to us. Pray that it would be genuine. Pray for him. Uh, he's one of the older guys, if you could tell from the, the picture here. And uh, he's not too healthy as well. Uh, so please pray for him. If he is genuinely saved, that the Holy Spirit would work in him continue to teach him. I left him some things to read and to listen to. Most of the people are illiterate. Uh, he can read a little bit. Uh, so pray for this man. Next slide, please. Uh, this is a video. You could go through this quick. It's another Lord's Day meeting. It is Sunday, August 29th, 2021. Here at Dufa. Every other week we come down, have a meeting down here. We're underneath Joe's house. Right there. This is his house. Dufa is about five minutes down the river from Mocha. Ten minutes maybe. Tomorrow we're going to go down to the other three villages. So this is what an underside of the house looks like. And these are the people who came. I preached from Ezekiel 36. So this is one of those meetings under someone's house. They build their houses on stilts. It rains a lot. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, so we go here every other week to this place, and the same man, you could see him sitting in the corner of the video there to the back left. Uh, his name is Joe, and that, he's the owner of the house. He's a friend of ours as well. He lets us come and have the meetings under his house every other week. So that's been an answer to prayer as well. They're open to us coming. Uh, we have our foot in the door. 
You know, a big part of Pioneer Gospel Missions, I remember the first number of years we started to plan and to go there just to get your foot in the door, just to pray that the Lord would make, a, make an opportunity possible. And the Lord's answered that prayer. We're there. We have land we're living on. We rent it from, from one guy. We have a house built. We have a boat. We're traveling up and down the river. And every village we go to, we have opportunity to evangelize and to preach. So these are answers to prayer. Pray that it would, it would lead to more answers to prayer and more fruit that people would be converted. And in the future, we'll be able to see churches started uh, within these villages. But this is how Pioneer Gospel Mission starts. And again, it might seem small and insignificant. There, you know, it's a little village throughout this part of New Guinea. Nobody else in the world knows about these people, but Christ has his people there. One of, the, one of the great themes of the book of Revelation is that Christ has purchased his people from all the places of this world and that Christ is going out and conquering the world through the gospel and saving his people. It seems like a lamb that's slain, but really he's the lion. And that's the work of Christ. And so continue to pray, uh, pray for this work. Uh, next slide, please. We'll, we'll come to the end here. This is one last area of our ministry, what we call Sunday Evangelism Coffee Night. In the afternoons on Sunday, we have the meeting in the morning, and then we'll invite people up in the afternoon, whoever would like to, and we'll sit around and have some coffee, and then I'll open up God's Word, and I'll preach to them as well. Uh, here's a video you could watch. It is 4th of July, 2021. This is our last coffee until we go back for David over and his family. We do this every Sunday night. And I'll speak God's word for a little bit. It's an opportunity to evangelize and sit with the people to talk. This is the first time we're picking a shot Usually we'll have um, anywhere from five to maybe 20 people. Today's a lot because it's less. There's David's family. There's some of the guys. So this is one of the ways uh, that we seek to evangelize as well. Uh, next, please. If you have any questions when the meeting's over, you know, we'll be hanging around. Feel free to ask. Uh, here's some specific people that you could pray for. On the left, David and Dorik, I mentioned them, the couple. The top right, that man Kobe, we believe the Lord has saved. And then the man here in the middle, his name is Media. He's come to the meetings quite often as well. Uh, so here's just some specific people. We could mention many others, uh, but here's just three. Maybe you write the names down. Maybe you remember their names. Uh, you could pray specifically for them. Next, please. And then partnership. I'll come to the end here as I wrap up. We want to thank your church for partnering with us. Um, it's, not, it's not our work, it's our work, right? It's the work of Christ and all of his people. So we're going, and you're helping and supporting and praying, and it enables us to be there. We're very thankful. It's a big help, your church's support, and so we want to publicly thank the Lord for you. Uh, next, please. Here are some of the projects we got done. The house, uh, you can hop to the next one as well. And then this, uh, the boat as well. We got the boat, and now we can travel to the villages. I can click here. This is a short video. So this enables us to travel from village to village to evangelize. Uh, before we got the boat, uh, we had to rely on other people's boats and motors, which made it difficult. Uh, so getting our own through a project uh, was, has been a great blessing. 
So this is one of those Sunday mornings going down to that village to preach. So these are the two main projects, the house getting done and then also the boat. All right, next please. Uh, ongoing projects, if you're interested to help in these ongoing projects, I mentioned the flights back and forth uh, from the mission compound to our area, that, uh, that hour flight, we got to do that a few times a year, and it's quite expensive. Um, also buying the fuel, we do that uh, to evangelize, to get up and down the river. So these are ongoing projects if you're interested to help in this way. Uh, next. And then visas, we're renewing our visas. This is another project we got going on right now if you want to help with that. Uh, next. I have a quote here from William Carey. You know, when he was preparing to go to India, he's, he's the father of modern missions, one of my missionary heroes. And one of the guys with him said, there's a mine with souls, and we have to go in and mine the souls. You know, he's talking about human, human souls. We've got to win them to Christ. And so William Carey said, well, I'll be willing to go into the mine, but you have to hold the ropes. And so we're all doing this work together. This is a great illustration of what missions is all about. You're the, you're the ones holding the rope, and we're going down to get, to get the souls for Christ. And without both, the work can't be done. So again, this is what missions is and when it comes to partnership. Paul talks a lot about gospel partnership when it came to missions. And you're part of that work with us, and it's a great help and a blessing. Next. Prayer points. Uh, the ones I have listed here, specifically focusing on the work of the gospel, the advance of the gospel, Christ saving his people. You could go to the website. Uh, we have prayer cards there on the table that we set up. Grab a prayer card. And you can go to the website as well, see some other prayer requests, and all the other prayer points I mentioned this morning, language and others that I've mentioned, please be praying uh, for this work. Next. Another way of partnership is mailing uh, supply packages. People are always interested in this. Uh, Melissa gets packages for medical supplies and things. Uh, so you can check that out on the website if you'd like as well. Next. And then joining us on the field. You know, this, this always strikes me. One of the things Jesus said and he didn't tell us to pray for a lot of things, right? You read through the Gospels. Jesus didn't tell us to pray for many things. But one thing he did pray, tell us to pray for is that more workers would be raised up for the work of evangelizing the world and bringing the gospel to the nations, right? He said there's a lot of work to be done, but there's few people doing it. And so we need to pray that the Lord would raise up more workers. Maybe the Lord would raise up workers from your church. And that's one of the things I want to challenge you to do as a church. Pray when you have prayer meetings, when you gather as families. One of the things you should be praying for is what Jesus just said, that more workers would be raised up. And seek to send out, even from your church, a couple, a family, to an area that's not been evangelized. We're looking for helpers where we are, but there's plenty of places in the world where the gospel still hasn't gone. And so I want to challenge you as a church to pray to this end and to work to this end. Uh, and the last slide here, this is our website. Uh, you could go there. The prayer cards have the web, uh, the web address as well. Check out the website. Uh, if you have questions, feel free to um, ask us today. Send us an email later. Uh, but it's a privilege to be here with you today to give the report. The Lord's answered a lot of prayers. Uh, the Lord has settled us there. Our foot's in the door. We're evangelizing and learning the language. The Lord's doing great things, and we're expectant that he'll do greater things into the future. So it's a privilege to be here and to give a report this morning. Thank you for your support.